0: Amen. Good evening, church. It is really, really great to be together tonight. I love coming down to Shoreline and being a part of your worship service. My wife and I are always grateful to see you. My name is Joe Collins, and we are Shoreline Church. Our mission is to love both God and people. And we've been in a series for quite some time now called Jesus Worth Following. Now, the last time I spoke, it's been a little while, we talked about diligence. Today, I want to talk about not missing what's most important. So my sister is a recovering alcoholic and addict. She's been part of AA for a while now, and she's also a baptized believer in Jesus, which is awesome. And she likes to tell me alcoholic jokes, jokes that they like to tell at AA, so I have a joke for you. There was this alcoholic, and he was stranded on a desert island. He was rummaging around the island, looking for some food or water or whatever, and he comes across a magic lamp. So he's excited, he realizes it's a magic lamp, and so he rubs the lamp and out pops a genie. And the genie says, you have two wishes. And without thinking, uh, for uh, without skipping a beat, the alcoholic says, I want an endless glass of vodka and orange juice. Poof, in his hand there's this glass of vodka and orange juice, and he drinks the whole thing down. And as soon as he's done, it fills right back up. And so he drinks it down. And as soon as it's done, it fills right back up. And so he drinks it down. And the genie finally says, whoa, 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 slow down. You know you have another wish. And the alcoholic, without skipping a beat, said, I'll have another. (laughs) You know, sometimes we miss what's most important in life. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for... This time to be together, and we pray for your spirit to infill us, to empower us, help us to love you and love your word, and be inspired today to remember what's most important. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Mark chapter 14. I'm going to start in verse 1. If you're new here tonight, as I said, we've been in this series for quite a while. We've been going through the whole book of Mark, and we're now in chapter 14. And so I'll try to keep you up to speed as best I can, but just know, that you're kind of coming in in the middle of a, of, of, a, of a series and there's lots of lessons before that. You can always go to the website, shorelinecoc.com. All the previous messages are there. You can start at the beginning if you'd like. But I think we'll be able to pick up where, I think you'll be able to catch on pretty quickly and we'll pick up where we, where, uh, we, we left off. Verse 1. Now the Passover, oops, sorry. Now the Passover and the festival of unleavened bread were only two days away. And the chief priests and the teachers of the law were scheming to arrest Jesus secretly and kill him. But not during the festival, they said, or the people may riot. It's Wednesday, the last week of Jesus' life. To recap the last week, Jesus entered into the city of Jerusalem on a Sunday it was, uh, you know, something he did every year of his life. Go to Jerusalem for Passover, but this time was special because he was well known. By this point in time, he was famous. Really, he was at the peak of his notoriety, and he entered into the city, what we call Palm Sunday, to crowds of people cheering and praising God and cheering for Jesus as their Messiah. He entered into the city. Spent some time in the city, and then he left, and he went out of the city, if you look at the map, and he stayed in a little town called Bethany. It's less than two miles away. It's really just on the other side of a hill called the Mount of Olives. The next day, he returned to the city on Monday, and he cleared the temple. Maybe you've heard that story before, where Jesus overturned the tables of the money changers and the merchants and the caravanners that were disrupting the worship of everyone there at the at the temple, and he called down curses, basically, on the temple leadership, and really called for uh, the, the the end of the temple system as they knew it, and really even Judaism as they knew it. Now you could imagine that upset some people. The temple had been there for thousands of years. It was where the Jews worshipped. The leadership of the, of the, of the, of the, of the, of the Jewish faith existed there. It was like home base. And here comes Jesus calling for it to be all destroyed and demolished and start over. And they didn't like that. So on Tuesday, when Jesus returns, they can do a bunch of arguments. And we did a whole little series talking about each of those arguments. And all the different religious leaders came out and they began to attack and argue with Jesus, trying to discredit him. They didn't like what he was saying. You'll notice in this verse, though, that the people loved what he was saying. They knew something was wrong in, in Israel. They knew something was wrong in the religion at that point in time. And they loved what Jesus had to say. So he leaves, and now it's Wednesday, and apparently Jesus took the day off. Nice to know that Jesus took a day off every now and then. It's okay for us to take a day off every now and then. Unfortunately, his enemies did not take a day off, and they began to secretly come up with a plan on how they were going to arrest him and kill him. This is how upset they were with Jesus and the message that he had been preaching for three and a half years. The problem was, is it was Passover. And the city of Jerusalem was filled with worshipers from all over Palestine who had come to, to Jerusalem to celebrate Passover. It was one of those holidays where all the people, all the men anyways, were required to come and worship there in the city At the foot of the temple And because Jesus was popular They knew that if they tried to grab him If they tried to arrest him There might be a major riot So they just said Well I guess we'll have to wait Till after Passover You know Unless it's a surprise birthday party Or something like that Doing things in secret Usually has bad outcomes Gossip Divides friends Slander causes division Lust gives birth to pornography and worse I know that my message is not about that It's about putting Making sure we don't miss what's most important But I have to say If you've been involved in any kind of sin And and it's been a secret in your life You've not gotten open with it I'm begging you to get open I'm begging you to get it out, get it on the table, and to repent. Verse 3. While he was in Bethany, reclining at the table in the home of Simon the leper, a woman came with an alabaster jar of very expensive perfume made of pure nard. She broke the jar, poured the perfume on his head. Some of those present were saying indignantly to one another, why this waste of perfume? It could have been sold for more than a year's wages and the money given to the poor. And they rebuked her harshly. You know, all four of the gospel stories, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, all four of the gospels, they tell of a story of a woman who anointed Jesus with very expensive perfume. And the funny thing is, is when you read the stories There's some similarities, but there's some differences. And it appears to me that two of the Gospels are talking about the same story, Matthew and Mark. They seem to be telling this story, but the other two Gospels seem to be describing different events, a different anointing, if you will, a different time when Jesus was anointed by a woman in a similar way. Now, that may seem really weird. We're thinking, that is strange, A woman just walks into a room and pours a bottle of smelly oil on someone's head. Like, that's unusual. But, you know, in that day and in that custom, it was not unusual to anoint someone like that. It was a way of showing them honor, a way of showing them respect, much like we might do today with someone uh, at a birthday where we show them honor and respect and we share something nice about them. And so it wasn't all that unusual the other thing I want you to know is, I don't want you to picture a McDonald's size gallon of oil. This was probably a very small jar, a very small glass bottle, and, and it was just enough oil to really, uh, you know, make him smell really nice. Might have been a little too much, but it wasn't like it poured all over and spilled on the floor and everybody slipped when they walked around. It wasn't like that. So. She comes in and she breaks this jar of expensive perfume. Now in today's dollars, a year's salary on average in the United States is about $50,000 a year. This woman poured out the equivalent of $50,000. I mean, she just made it rain. But instead of the money on the floor, it was as if it just got burned up and disappeared. Like it went down the drain. Now, this is really significant because the guests at the the dinner, the the people there at this this dinner party, are really upset at this woman for what she did. Even some of the apostles were offended at what she did. The word, therefore, indignant means expressing violent displeasure. So it wasn't like they were a little irritated. It wasn't like they were just kind of peeved and they certainly didn't keep it to themselves. They were ready to go to blows over what she did. They wanted to slap her silly. They were that upset at this waste of resources. Let me give you a little context. The city of Bethany, like I said, just over the hill of the Mount of Olives, less than a mile, two miles away from the city of Jerusalem, there's some indication that at the city of Bethany was an almshouse, a poorhouse. In other words, it was a place where people, the most marginalized, the most uh, in need, could come and people there would take care of their needs. Some people believe, some historians believe, that the people that lived in Bethany, a lot of them were former Galileans, meaning they were from the north part of Palestine where Jesus ministered for most of his ministry. And they actually moved to Bethany on purpose to be closer to the city, closer to the temple, but also to minister to people in need. The fact that Jesus was at the home of a leper indicates to us that there might even have been a a hospital there, a leper colony. And so Bethany was filled with people who were in need. They may have been sick, they may have been dirt poor, and the other people in the city were people who were there, who out of the goodness of their heart, in an expression of their faith, their love for God and love for other people, were there to care for these people. So you can understand why they got so upset. I mean, you just threw $50,000 on the floor. Do you know how many shoes we could buy for $50,000? Do you know we could put a new wing on the hospital for $50,000? Do you realize we could buy food for years with $50,000? What in the world are you thinking? To the point to where they were violently upset at what this woman did. Bethany was the place that was very special to Jesus. He visited it quite often. Every time he came to Jerusalem, it's probable that he stayed in Bethany. It's where Mary, Martha, and Lazarus lived. Jesus was very close to them. He'd often stay with them when he came down to visit the city of Jerusalem. It was full of Jesus' kind of people. The sick, the down and out, and those who would take care of them. You know, I want you to think about this for a minute. People who care about the needs of other people are Jesus's kind of people. That's who he liked to be around. That's who he spent his time with. And if we're ever going to be successful as a church, as individuals who want to, share the love of God with the world around us, if we're ever going to be victorious in mission love and see our church grow and take root here in Oxnard and the surrounding areas, if that's ever going to happen, it's only going to happen because we become these kinds of people, that we care for those who are needy, who are in need, who are sick, who are down and out, that we become those kinds of people. Verse 6, leave her alone, said Jesus. Why are you bothering her? She has done a beautiful thing to me. The poor you will always have with you, and you can help them anytime you want, but you will not always have me. She did what she could. She poured perfume on my body beforehand to prepare for my burial. Truly, I tell you, wherever the gospel is preached throughout the world, what she has done will also be told in memory Of her. Now, I know I'm speaking probably to people who've read the Bible quite a bit. You know the story. I'm gonna ask you to do me a favor. I'm gonna ask you to forget the story for a minute. Let's, Let's pretend that we're at this dinner party, that we're a caregiver. We've moved to Bethany from wherever to be close to the temple and to care for people. That's our expression of our faith. We're good people. We love God. We love others. And that's why we're there. We've sacrificed. We've given up. And here we are caring for those who are in need. I want you to imagine yourself. And when Jesus comes to town, you think he's our kind of people. You've heard the stories. You've heard the rumors. You might even have met him a few times from different visits. And you know that he's all about loving God and loving people. He's your kind of people. I mean, as a matter of fact, just on Monday, Jesus was in the city calling curses down on the temple authorities for their lack of love for people. So he's one of your guys. He's your champion. He's your hero. He's carrying the the torch for you out there in the community, telling people like it is and and calling people to, to, to love their fellow person. And you, you love him. I have a question and I'm gonna ask for interaction. I believe in interacting. I like hearing our thoughts. Here's my question. How would you feel, remember, you don't know the story. You're just a caregiver who's given up your time to care for these people. How would you feel about $50,000 being thrown down the drain? Your thoughts. Don't answer all at once. It would all depend on why. Okay. It would all depend on why. But like, again, you don't know the story. How would you feel? You're there. You've poured out your time and energy. You've moved. You know, there's never enough resources. And here goes $50,000 thrown down the drain. How might you feel? Pretty stupid? Who said that one? Awesome. How so? What does that mean? Everyone, yeah, like, this is stupid. What are we doing? Right. Someone said something over here. Right. Again, great answer. Think about you, how you might feel being there. And I like what you said. Stupid. This is a waste of money. Yes. think <laughs> under scope of being this person who sacrificed, coming out to help, I would think it could, there could be better ways of using that. There might be, yeah, what, I, I, would, I, would, I would tell myself, yeah, Jesus will do anything for Jesus, but then on the other hand, there's another part of me that says, well, maybe there's a part of me that might be like, does it have to be, yeah, yeah but, them, right? there might have been a better use of that money, Yes. On the other hand, I think it's very easy to be indignant about other people's use of money. In other words, it's her sacrifice, it's not mine. Right. Right. It kind of challenges my heart because I'm like, well, where am I at in my sacrifice? Okay. Someone else said something earlier I missed over here. Uh, Waste or something? Who who said that? Yes? She's rich. (laughs) Rich people always do stupid things. Yes. Anyone else? Yeah. Jesus' response is kind of a, kind of messed up, if I was in that perspective. Because he's saying, oh, the poor, you'll have the breath. <laughs> they're always going to be around. She's taking care of me. And it's like, wait, this yeah. is supposed to be someone that cares about us Is someone that loves us and sacrifices for us. How is this sacrifice being so selfish? not seeing the bigger picture he could yes see. it seems weird his response is weird isn't it it's kind of upsetting even it's a little bothersome you got ahead of me but that's my next question how would you feel that Jesus corrected you for getting upset at her waist I always hate getting corrected I hate getting corrected yeah Don't, we all hate getting corrected right but all the more when someone does something that seems very Unwise, and yet Jesus is like, "You leave her alone." I don't know about you, but I, oh, go ahead. Jesus' talking the whole time about serving poor and giving to poor and poor. and he's like her alone." That doesn't make sense. Jesus is always trying to help people. He's all about that, and then here he is letting a big waste of money go by. It seems contradictory, Jason. One more time, because I'm, I I'm want to repeat on the mic. I'm repeating so we hear it on the audio. Maybe he had some intention, but it leaves us with, what is this about? Right? We leave like, what the heck? Gavin. Well, we think a year's worth of money's lost. but really in reality, that's a good point yeah yeah there is a there is that point right that well okay maybe we need to put this in perspective right it was seems like a lot of money in that moment but man there's a lot of uh, you know needy people and that may not be all that much money yes yes I relate to that Like I think that bothers me When Alex said the same kind of thing It's like it's confusing Wait a second What's, What are we supposed to be doing here? What is this all about? I think we'd be shocked I think we, truth be told, would be a bit shocked At what Jesus did Wait a second She's the one that wasted the money And now you're correcting me? I think we might even be a little angry We might even be a little offended Not only does he do that Oh yeah, go ahead Yeah, we might have to try to rationalize. Okay, maybe he knows something we don't, right? We're going through this gymnastics trying to understand his actions and the fact that he corrects us, not her. But let's go a little further. He says what she did. And I want you to be real. Remember, you don't know the story. Just be a person in the dinner at the party. He says, get this. What she did was beautiful. And what you did will be forgotten. How do you feel now? I feel like, who are you? Yeah, <laughs> wait a second. Who do you think you are? Anyone else? Angry? Hopeless. Oh man, that's a good one. I, I, yeah, I mean, I think at this point, we'd be like, this is a bit of a hard conversation here. I think we're going to have to take Jesus outside and have a little talk with him because his priorities are clearly off and he's clearly not seeing the situation correctly. I mean, this is a difficult one. It's a, it causes problems for us theologically. What is going on here? I, I'd be very upset. So here's the question I really want to ask you: Why do you think Jesus corrected us or them, and not her? Now we're speculating. There's no right or wrong answer. What comes to mind? I, I think that she she has so much ultimate faith that he is he is her salvation, and she's eternally grateful for it. And no sacrifice is big enough. And back for what he's given to her. Okay, great one, yeah. Money's kind of like our lifeblood, and uh, we can do works and help people, but really, the time that we spend making that money, we should be throwing it out and pouring it out on him and our relationship with him. Mm-hmm. Okay, so hands come up. yes. Like she said over there, like you know, he saw her intentions were completely pure and noble. It wasn't about a show and like, oh, I'm going to pour out this really expensive perfume and stuff. It was really honoring him. And you know, he Jesus tended to do these things where he things would be a certain way, and then he would turn around and shock everybody, yes. like, kind of throw a throw a curveball. Yes. And shock Oh, I like that. Yeah. He pushes buttons. He pushes the envelope on us, doesn't he? It's funny. This morning in Simi Church, uh, our sister church that we are partnered with up in Simi Valley, we rearranged our auditorium. We put the stage in, in a different spot. We moved the chairs differently. And I had so much fun watching people come in to service. Just by moving a chair, people were like, and they'd come up to me, is this how it was meant to be? Did you, did you, is this, is this correct? It was so much fun. I mean, literally everybody came in. What's happening? And that was just moving chairs. Imagine Jesus in this moment going, she's going to be remembered, you're going to be forgotten. The hat is a bit of a mind change right there. That is a bit of a curveball that forces us to go, what is going on? Anyone else? Yeah. So for me, when I when I reread it, um, I think about how she's able to see that all his lessons throughout this time period, been, he's been preparing people that he's gonna die, and she's the first one that notices it. <laughs> I love There's that. The that says that. Yes, this is your birth, your funeral. Prepare. Yes. Everyone else can't see it. Can't. See. Fascinating. fascinating.
1: Fascinating. She was
0: the first one that's able to see that. Hey, look. Let me prepare you for your You guys know we've been doing Mark for a while now, and I know we've been kind of going skipping along in the sense of we don't always do it every every Sunday. But several times Jesus tried to tell them, "I'm going to die," and it seemed like no one clued in. Right, and this woman did. There was a hand here. Yes. She had a very pure heart. Jesus could see that. One, maybe one or two more, right here. Oh, who did I miss? Oh, up there. Go ahead. Sorry, our interpreter. I think um, maybe even the motivation from the heart. Sometimes it is thinking that we're going to use this money to help the poor. But even in that, sometimes it can be to up, like to um, bring ourselves up. Mm. Interesting. (laughs) Wow. Interesting. There is some truth to that, isn't there? That we can start to feel really good about ourselves and all the good things we do. Alex. I think of how um, God is interested in our heart, not our results. And so while they weren't wrong, more could have been done with that money. And maybe she was wrong in her actions. God didn't see it that way because her heart was to worship God and love God the way she could. Great. We're more interested in that than what we can do. With yeah, he didn't focus on the, the action or what she necessarily did, whether it was right or wrong. He just appreciated the act. Last one, honey. why well, I think after he dominated, said, "I just realized that it was just a few days after he the Palm Sunday where he came in on a, a colt, a donkey, and they were putting palm branches down and they were like praising him and worshiping him and." like really all of Jesus' first three years of preaching he was very much not wanting them to notice him as king and savior a lot of times he would kind of duck out and stuff but this, he was done he was letting them know that he is the king he is the messiah i'm the savior i'm gonna die and like you said she she got it interesting i like that yeah jesus i'm repeating for the the tape jesus through the beginning of his ministry didn't really draw attention to himself necessarily but now he knew his time was done it was coming to an end and so hey it was okay that people were starting to make the connections wow you're the son of god wow you're the messiah and he was accepting the worship now unlike he did earlier remember what i said earlier That people who care for the needs of other people are Jesus' kind of people? I have another one. People who care for Jesus are the kind of people those people need. You see, I think it's so easy for us to think, as Nancy said, how great we are. Look at the good I'm doing. Look at the help. And we get focused on ourselves and the work we're doing and how important it is and where our hearts are at and our intentions. And we sometimes miss what's most important, which is our love for Jesus Christ. If we go out and love the world around us like we should, but we miss this, we've missed everything. And this woman is an amazing reminder. She's an amazing example, an over the top offensive example of what it looks like to love Jesus more than anything else. I love the description. She broke the bottle. There was no going back. It was all coming out. She was pouring everything out she had. It wasn't like, let me give you a little honor. No, crack, dump, put it on his head. I am showing you how much I love and I adore you by this action. And everyone else, good people, good people like you and me who want to love God, who want to help people, they got angry. It was offensive to love Jesus that much. Have you ever been challenged by someone's love for Jesus? That they would do something so extreme? And it's, it's hard because we start to go, well, I'm doing good. Look at my, I'm helping people. I'm doing my best, right? We, we get really bugged. The point, the most important thing, is to love Jesus more than anyone or anything. That's the point. Verse 10. Then Judas Iscariot, one of the 12, sorry, went to the chief priests that betrayed Jesus to them. They were delighted to hear this and promised to give him money. So he watched for an opportunity to hand him over. Remember at the beginning, the chief priests, the teachers of law, they had decided we got to kill this guy, but we got to wait till Passover because there's too many people around. Well, then they had this boondoggle. Judas shows up, one of his followers, and says, hey, by the way, I can tell you when Jesus will be alone. So you can snatch him now if you want. I mean, this changed their timetable. They were going to wait till after Passover. But now they had an insider who was going to give them inside information on where Jesus would be and when he would be alone and no one would be around that could cause a riot. And so now they're like, yes, they're delighted that they can snatch him and get rid of him before Passover is even over. I have another question. Why was it now why was it after this moment, after the woman broke the bottle and poured the perfume on Jesus, why now did Judas decide to betray Jesus? <laughs> no right or wrong, just take a guess. Yes? I have two thoughts. I think. One is that he was bothered by this. Yes. So it kind of like the strawberry mm-hmm. kind of the camel's back. Over Absolutely. Or in a more spiritual sense, because this is God's plan to begin with—that that, you know, he's you, like, been anointed now, very anointed now. And the, you know, like the process part of it. So, interesting. So. Two ideas. One is maybe this is just the will of God, and it was the timing. And I think you could certainly make that argument. I don't think Judas didn't have a choice, though. I think he had a choice. I don't. I don't think he was. You know, fated to do this I think there was a choice there for him But I like what you said That maybe he had had enough Maybe he started out following Jesus We've all been there Good intentions, good heart We're excited, this is great And then there's these little things that happen along the way Somebody offends me Things don't go the way I think I threw my two cents in, I was ignored John always gets what he wants Peter's loud and obnoxious I'm not getting my recognition I have something to say And you know what I'm, I, I'm worried I got on board Because I cared about people And this isn't the, la- the first time That someone came in And wasted money on you Jesus and, and people went without Because of that I think that's a really great possibility Oh yeah Yeah Boy, oh boy, you know, you got to have a certain kind of heart if you're going to oversee finances of a church. I love Ken McKee, by the way. He's right here. If you guys don't know, but Ken McKee is kind of the senior member of our financial committee. And I'll tell you, without Ken McKee, we would not know what we're doing. True statement. Ken McKee tracks everything. But you know, sometimes Ken could be tempted Why'd we spend money on cookies that Sunday? We didn't need to do that. We could have bought shoes for the poor. Why'd we have that party, that harvest party? It cost quite a bit of money. Is that really necessary? Joe, I think you're just taking us down the wrong road. Like, that could be a temptation. Fortunately, Ken and I have a great friendship and we talk. Fortunately, we invite you into the process and we try to keep an openness about it and we do believe that there is times to spend money and have a party and celebrate and there's times to use that money in the service of the ministry for other people. I think there's a balance there. But boy, Judas is the money keeper. And man, he could have gotten all kinds of attitudes. Jesus, you're spending too much money on, uh, on sandals. I mean, we've got to stop walking around so much. This is getting annoying. Yeah. Yeah, I think uh, Judas is starting to see here that Jesus isn't who he was expecting him to be. Yes. I think most of us know. Like everyone thought, he was going to be king of, he would take over Rome. Yes, he's revealing to himself like he's going to die, while well, every other Jesus guy who came died too. And what happened to that movement? Like great, so Lewis. point in it? Let's just get, up, get rid of him now. I don't know if you heard that. I'm going to repeat it because it's so cool. Jesus wasn't who Judas thought he should be. And there was something really annoying to Judas about that. I I thought you were going to be the king. I thought you were going to take over. Wait, what is this dying stuff? All the other messiahs died and they're gone. Did I waste my time? How many of you, honestly, honestly, how many of you have thought, why am I doing this thing? Why am I in this church thing? Why do I go to this? These people are weird and they're crazy. Or this life is too hard, I could own a car right now and not have to drive a hoopty. Is that the right word, hooptie? It's an old word, sorry, but am gets it, right? Have you not felt that way? Listen, true story. There was a time, I've been in the ministry 20 something years, I was looking for another job for a while in there. I'm like, why am I doing this? This is crazy. Have we not been there? Love that point. Wasn't what I thought it would be, yes? Right. I love doing a little bit of give and take when I preach. For that reason right there, it happened with Alex too. It, in, inevitably, every time someone gets where I'm going, right? They, they kind of, it's the Holy Spirit. It's, it's, I'm not saying the other things are wrong. They're all, I think, I think they're all right. I think there's a lot of truth in all of this stuff. But John, the Gospel of John does tell us something interesting about Judas. It says he was a thief that judas in addition to all the other things he might have been feeling he liked to take the money out of the money bags and spend it on himself on the side and so tr- judas's true colors came out when when this woman showed what kind of love she had for jesus it was so out of the box it was so over the top that it exposed judas for who he really was a thief boy, I've been exposed like that. I've had people's faith call me out and expose me. I remember years back, I wasn't married yet, and I had recently become a Christian, and I was still trying to understand what it meant to be a spiritual guy and have relationships with spiritual women that weren't worldly, that weren't overly sexual, that weren't, well, sexual at all, unless I was married, I should say. And I was hitting on a sister in the church and I thought I was being cool, slick Rick. Like I'm, I'm laying it out great. And I, I thought I sounded great. And she goes, and I'm telling her about my story and how I've been here and I've been there and I've done this and I've done that and I've been with, you know, these women and, you know, and all that. And she goes, and I'll never forget it. It haunts me. It's like the Peter with the, the crow, you know, every time. I'm like, yeah, you know, and she goes, uh, bro, are you proud of that stuff? I was like, oh, you know, I gotta go. Click. (laughs) I mean, she just called me out. Her spirituality exposed my lack of spirituality. I thought I was Slick Rick. I was just a sinful dog, proud of my sin. Judas was a thief. And this woman's unbelievable, shocking example of love for Jesus, of what was most important, called him out. You know, I think in Shoreline, we need some shocking examples of love. We need to surprise one another. We need to surprise ourselves. We need to shock the world around us with what we're willing to do for Jesus, of what we're willing to pour out of ourselves to honor and to show our love for Jesus. Amen? Amen. Would you not agree? I mean after all, our mission is love, is it not? Love God and love people. So we're left with this, and it's a choice. We can choose to be the woman or we can choose to be Jesus. Who do you want to be? I'm going to close differently than I normally close. I want to close with a song. And I know that's kind of cheesy, and it is. I'll be honest. I'm like in the 90s right now when it was cool to have a PowerPoint and a song. It's kind of old now. But there's this song. I don't know if you've heard it. It's been on the radio, and I absolutely love it. It it will bring me to tears. It's on Christian radio. It's a song by Natalie Grant. It's called "More Than Anything." I'm going to quote you this, the, the, the chorus, and then I'm going to play the song, and I just want us to meditate on the meaning of the song, because it embodies this woman and the choice we have to be her or to be Jesus, or to be Judas. Here's the, here's the, the chorus. Help me want the healer more than the healing. Help me want the Savior more than the saving. Help me want the giver more than the giving. Help me want you, Jesus, more than anything.